Well, indeed, we are in part five of the Empowered Church series. Now, we do yearly themes here at Bridgeway, and 2023 is the year of power. All right, fantastic. Now, if you're new, when we say power, we're not talking about human being power that can manipulate somebody else. We're talking about we are seeking the power of God to transform our lives, our relationships, and power from God to break through challenges in our lives. Don't you think we all need more of that? Yeah? So we thought we would do the year of power. Well, you can't have power without the Holy Spirit. So really, it's kind of the year of the Holy Spirit. And we thought, what book shows the Holy Spirit's power in a practical way? That's the book of Acts. So we are walking through the book of Acts, line by line, all the way through the rest of the year. So that's ultimately what you're walking in on. So where are we at in the story? Well, ultimately, Jesus was shutting down his earthly ministry. We know that he lived for 30 years in relative obscurity. Then all of a sudden he goes public, has a three-year ministry, is crucified at the age of 33. He dies. The early Christian church that's tied to him is there thinking, what does this mean? He gets back up, right, just as he promised. That is a core tenet of Christianity. Jesus Christ is alive and active today. So sure enough, his resurrection happens. He's talking with his team. They're like, okay, what do we do now? And he's like, hold up, I got to get out of here. But I'm going to have the Holy Spirit come in, and he's totally like me. So he's going to be guiding you and directing you. As a matter of fact, he'll be living within you. But I'm going to be up in heaven. I'm going to be kind of directing everything. I'm the head. You guys are the body. So I need you to keep doing what I was doing. Man, I was casting out demons. I was healing people. I was doing miracles. I was loving on people. I was sharing the good news, right? I want you to go do that in my name as my ambassadors. But in order to do that, I need you to be lit up with the power of the Holy Spirit like I was. So what I need you to do is hang out for a little bit until I send the Holy Spirit. When he hits you, trust me, you'll know. And then you guys go be the church. So sure enough, we go, well, how did it go? Pentecost hits, right? We talked about that, right? This amazing, miraculous event. Holy Spirit comes down. All the church is fired up, right? Peter does this message. And then the church just explodes and it starts growing. So last week, they were trying to figure out how do we become a family? Like there's all these people. We're all different. How do we have unity and such diversity and and what does it mean to actually be a community how do we love on each other and and that's what pastor judah taught us last week can we appreciate pastor judah come on matt he is an extraordinary uh presenter is he not is he not a an amazing man of god and then his preaching ability his teaching ability so good so good. So if you didn't get a chance to be transformed by that message, I would go back and listen to that last week. So the question gets begged, all right, early Christian church allegedly has this massive experience with the Holy Spirit. Did it have any impact? Are they going to go out and behave like Jesus did? We were about to walk into a miraculous story, 
where it's the first recorded miracle done by the post-Pentecost Christian church. And it demonstrates, yep, they're doing just what Jesus did. Okay, so we're going to turn to that in a moment. But I want to draw your attention to the fill in the blank as we kind of begin here. I want to make it personal. We can talk about what happened 2,000 years ago. But I think those stories are included because it has something to do with us today. And I'm going to make it real personal here in a moment just by asking a question. What do you think you need? What do you pray about? Right? Like not everybody has a prayer life. Like not everybody's, some of us are new to that stuff, but some of us can pray longer than three minutes, right? And some of us have what I call a robust prayer life, right? Four minutes is a long time. And in our prayer times, you know, that you're just really talking to God. So some of it you're just sharing with him and, Lord, this is what's going on with me and uh, how you doing? You know, that kind of stuff. But you eventually get into this area where you start asking for stuff, right? And for some of us, that's kind of our only prayer life, right? We got a little laundry list of things. God, I, and it makes sense because he's the almighty. We're very limited. So we're going to go to our heavenly father and say, hey, we have some needs, what do you pray about? Like when you go to the need thing, do you know what you need? Right? I mean, you're praying about stuff. Is it the same stuff that God is into? Right? Like would he put your needs in the same priority list as you do? And, and, and I guess what I'm asking is, are you sure you even know what you need? Right? Because a lot of us are like, man, I pray all the time and, and nothing happens and I don't know if this is legit and... Okay, well, hold on. Let me spin this a little bit different for you. I'm going to use a very practical example. One of the most difficult jobs in a local church is called financial benevolence. Now, that's a fancy way to say who gets money, right? This is a miserable job. Why? Because in one sense, you're like, well, you're being Jesus. You're being practical. You should love to do that. Yeah, but saying no to someone is super hard. Praise the Lord, I don't have to do that here. I actually have a staff that does that, right? I make them the bad guy, right? Now, we have someone on our staff in our care and compassion department that she is absolutely amazing. Her name is Christine Reeves. Now, she's kind of leading over her head. She does basically for us two full-time jobs. She handles all our in-reach management and then all our global missions management. It's just, it's way too much for one human being, but she's pretty, pretty amazing. She has her master's in social work. She looks at things through a social working lens. She ended up creating an intern program that ties in with Sacramento State University, and their social workers come and get hours here, and she runs that department, and they, from a social working holistic perspective, handle all of our requests. Can you imagine that? Like, this is not a normal thing for a church. No, not very many churches can have that. This is just something unique that Bridgeway was called to, right? So we have people that are brilliant at what they do. They're assessing need. Now, we have a lot of requests for financial help here. And that is not wrong. Listen, I believe that God's house should be a place of practical help. I believe that if you as a congregant and even a community member should be able to go to God's house and knock on the door and say, Lord, I'm struggling. 
Is there anything you can do to help me out? There is no shame in that. It's actually one of the reasons why we're here. So if you ever have a need, please don't feel guilty about that. I think it's beautiful. Now, they're trying to figure out two things. First, how do I steward God's resources well? The second question they're answering is, is this going to help ultimately or hurt ultimately? How do I help in a way that it stays a help and not a problem? You're like, well, I I don't understand. Okay, let me give you this scenario. And it is a hypothetical. It's not a, I have a friend, but it's really not a hypothetical, right? It is hypothetical. Stop it. Everyone's like, I know who he's talking about. No, you don't. I totally made this up, okay? So here's, here's a hypothetical. Somebody comes to us and they're like, hey, I need 350 bucks to pay some bills. They're past due. And I need, my power has been shut off and my water has been shut off. Okay, now somebody comes to us and they say that. Now, every good Christian is going to go, okay, let me analyze it, right? Uh, Power, water, totally legit, right? I mean, you need that stuff just to have shelter. Totally makes sense. Let me see if I can go help you out. What our team does is they have to dig in a little bit deeper. There's an application process. There's analysis. There's checks and balances, right? And you would say, well, how can water and power be a bad request? Seems good no matter how you look at it. It's not like they're asking for anything dramatic, right? As a matter of fact, the way that we do it here, we don't ever just give money to people. We pay direct to the utilities. So it's not like it's going to be misused, right? And you go, oh, that should be legit. Okay, so our team digs into it, and they end up discovering, hold up, not only are we trying to cover the last four months of those bills, they actually have no ability to cover the next month or the next month. There is no ability to pay that. As a matter of fact, they're in a pretty bad situation. They're living by themselves in a home. Why they don't have roommates is because they've burned every bridge with their family and with all their friends. They're on state disability. They're currently on meth. And that has caused them to really wreck an awful lot of their relationships. So let me pause right there. Quick question. Is $350 going to solve their problem? And now you understand what your prayer life sounds like. God, I'm really lonely. I would love a spouse. Okay, hold up. Hey, sweetie, I'm working with you on some stuff and you're not actually in a place where you could support, and when you're asking me for that, if I did that, what you're asking me for is a divorce, and I'm not going to hand that to you. I actually need you to be in a certain place, and they are in a certain place so that I can allow you guys to have a blessing. Okay, right? Here's another one. Lord, I need a car. Okay, so you need transportation. Transportation is totally legit to go out and do a job. Here's the problem, sweetie. You don't have a job. And so you can't put gas in the car. You can't maintain the car. So if you have a car and it's just sitting in your front porch, that's not going to be very helpful. So I'm not quite sure that would be best. Right? God, I need a new job. Why do you need a new job? I hate this job. It's miserable. Okay. Well, remember, kiddo, you hated the last three jobs. (laughs) And I'm not quite sure the jobs are the problem. Common denominator here is you. 
Okay. I'm not quite sure that your prayers are falling on deaf ears. I'm not quite sure that your prayers are hitting the ceiling. I'm not quite sure your prayers are being ignored. I think you have a good heavenly father that's filtering them. When a paralyzed man was lowered down in front of Jesus to be healed in his body, Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. That is not what he came for, but it's what he needed most. Too often, when we ask for something, we do not have a supporting system that will allow it to remain a blessing. And God says, before I can get to that, I need to get to this. And he might be working on the more important thing. Here's the fill in the blank on the sheet in front of you. God knows exactly what is needed. God knows exactly what is needed. My encouragement to you is you keep praying, keep listening to the Lord, and let him to continue to mature you in what you're praying for. You guys, a lot of my prayers are absolutely embarrassing. When I look back on them, that's why I don't say them out loud, right? If I said them to any of you, you're like, oh, pastor. <laughs> and that's why I pray in my head. Praise the Lord. Turn with me to Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Acts chapter 3, verse 1. If you need a Bible, there should be one under the seat in front of you. And we're turning to page 911. 911. That'll make it a little easier for you. A couple things you need to know about this morning. Uh, I'm going to read a little bit, talk about it. Read a little bit, talk about it. And I'm going to front load my message so that most everything I'm going to be talking about is at the beginning of the story. And then we're going to read very rapidly through the end of of the story, because for all of you watching the clock, he's never going to finish. I know. <laughs> Calm down, all right? They'll hold your reservations at the restaurant, praise the Lord. Okay, here we go. Let's go ahead and read through. If I'm reading anything that you don't understand, I either added it in for research purposes, and I'm filling in the gaps, or maybe I'm reading a different version than the one that maybe you're holding there. I'm reading out of the ESV. Let's go ahead and do this. Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Now, Peter and John were going up the steps from the outer court of the Gentiles to the inner court of the Jewish women to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, which is 3 p.m. And a man paralyzed from birth or lame from his mother's womb was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask for money for those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive some money. All right, let, let's pause. Why is it significant that they mentioned he was lame from birth? And it literally says, from his mother's womb, is the literal translation. Why, why did they highlight that? Why don't they just go, and there was a paralyzed dude, and he was at the temple. Why did they mention that? Well, I, I don't know. But I can think of three things it absolutely means, right? So here's the first one. Everybody knew this guy. I don't know how old this guy was, but that is a very central spot, and everybody passes him. Any Jews that lived in the south, they were always going to the temple, and that guy is there every day. And he's been doing this for decades. So everybody knows this guy. Whatever's going to happen to this guy is going to radiate out to the community. Everybody's going to know about it. Second thing, it's a lifestyle. 
This man has never walked. His entire life has been designed around this disability. He's got a social stigma. And the Jews had a certain stigma over people that had disabilities. It's not accurate, but it's a cultural thing they had in the ancient world. They believed that if somebody was born without sight, without hearing, some type of physical deformity, that they were cursed by God, or their parents were cursed by God, or they weren't loved as much. So there was kind of a social stigma to it of rejection, right? And then you realize he knew his whole life everybody considered him a burden. Oh, I got to carry you over there. I got to. They didn't have wheelchair access. They didn't have ADA. They didn't have any of that stuff. So he was always reliant on other people. So we at least know these things are true. It says he was carried and laid daily at the temple gate. That is both good and bad. Good because it is prime real estate. Okay? I don't know how much you know about panhandling or or asking for money, but not every intersection is the same. So, for example, you could go to one intersection and make bank. You go to another intersection and nobody passes by and it doesn't work. Right? So there's a lot of argument on the street about who gets what corner, who gets what sign, who gets what stoplight. Right? Well, if you want to talk about prime real estate, this dude's got it. He is in where the Gentiles can reach him, the Jews can reach him. He is in with the religious folk. Right? And they got cash. They've been trained their whole lives, help the poor, help the poor. He's like, that's weird. I'm poor. Maybe you just do it right now, right? So he was like making all kinds of cash, being in a perfect location. You have to get there early so nobody swoops in on your spot. He's been doing it for decades. It's secured, right? That part for him was awesome. The negative part is he had to hang out with religious people, and they're irritating, right? They all got their judgy thing going on, right? They're like, oh, you must be cursed by God. You know, they're kind of saying things and they're, you know, the way they look at you is kind of like pity. Well, God doesn't love you. I guess I have to, you know, that kind of stuff. Right. And you're like, well, that's not great. So it was kind of a mixed bag. Right. But here's probably the most important piece to this. How much of his body didn't work? Well, it says his ankles and feet. How much of a percentage of the body would that be? Like what, let's say 10%. His entire life is shaped around 10% of his body. It doesn't say that his legs didn't work. It doesn't say that his arms didn't work. It doesn't say that his brain didn't work. It didn't say that his back didn't work. And yet, he is begging for his entire life. He has not so much an overcomer as an accommodator. Right? That he has allowed his whole life to be based on One element of his life that is difficult. He has one disability, but it seems to control and consume the whole. What does that have to do with us? Well, it's how most of us live. Have you allowed your trauma to dictate your entire life? Pastor, you don't know my trauma. Hold up. Everybody has trauma here. Some of us have light trauma that was easy to overcome. Some of us 
have devastating trauma that without the Lord's help, we can't get past it. I'm not saying it's equal. I'm not saying it's not legit. I'm telling you it's 100% legit. What I'm telling you is I don't believe it is appropriate to allow that which hurt you to ruin the rest of your life. My main problem is that Satan's evil allowed it to occur in the first place. And now you've been replaying the tapes for the next 30 years, the next 50 years. You're allowing him to keep hurting you over and over. And I don't like that. Well, you don't understand the complexity. What I'm telling you is when we focus on what we don't have, when we focus on what is broken, we tend to tarnish that which does work and isn't broken. Does everybody know you for your trauma? Right? I mean, that's your identity now, right? Oh, we all know what you went through, and now everybody accommodates around it. Everybody's adjusted. You've bent your whole life because you're wounded, right? And I'm not saying that I'm judging you. I'm trying to say I'm not quite sure that's allowing your world to expand. I'm saying that we tend to bend around it, and maybe that's not always the healthiest way to do it, right? I mean, it's, this, is, this is tough stuff. But when we focus on the parts that don't work, we don't appreciate the giftings we do have. Because think about it this way. Um, okay, you know what? You don't have this one aspect of your life, but yet God has given you these 13 other spiritual gifts. What if God gave you the ability and the gift to pray for other people's healing, but you're so lost in your lack of healing, you won't even pray for anybody else? What if your sadness has negated you from ministering to other people who are sad? I don't think Satan should be able to dictate what you can and can't do. That's what I'm trying to say. I think there's something more to that. Every one of us have disadvantage. Some of us have more disadvantage than other people in certain areas. As a matter of fact, there's systemic disadvantage that needs to be rooted out. I'm not telling you we shouldn't fight for it. I'm just telling you that while we fight for it, it doesn't get to dictate your world. We all got disappointed. You're like, well, I didn't have the opportunity this person had. Not in that area. You're absolutely correct. But you may be getting a blessing that that person doesn't get in another area. And I just need you to remember that. You guys, I will never forget when Pastor Steve from Uganda came to America for the first time. And I said, what do you think? And he said, I don't think I like it. It is so lonely here. He, they have no money. They're out in the middle of nowhere. There are literally just stone boxes where they live. I'm watching little kids just stand. There's nothing to play with. You're just there. And you go, well, that seems underprivileged. Well, you're probably right, and yet he would rather take that than what we have. Because at least they have community and friends and family. And we don't. What I'm trying to tell you is we need to live with intention and purpose, not in reaction to the hurts and the pains that Satan has done in our lives, yeah? So let's ask the second question. Should we applaud his community or should we correct them? When is it helping and when is it enabling? 
Because he can't get there unless somebody got him there. Like they had to carry him. They got him to a sweet spot. So are we supposed to go, yeah, it's about time somebody put someone else ahead of themselves. They got other stuff to do today. But they didn't. They carried this dude. And they got him this sweet location where he could actually make a ton of money. Maybe he would have been just in his room doing nothing. And they got him to a place where he's thriving. Is that how we need to view it? Or is he allowing one part of his body to dictate everything else? And he could have had a more full life, could have had a family, could have had a job that he could do with his upper body. But all of his friends convinced him and the whole community around him said, you will do nothing but beg for the rest of your life. I don't know. I don't have the answer to that. Because... It depends on how his heart and mind was receiving it. Every individual situation is unique. When is it helping? When is it enabling? Do you have to ask this question of yourself? I swear you have to. If you're a parent, you definitely have to. Right? So I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you right now how to tell the difference, whether or not helping is hurting. Right? Here we go. Here's your test. You can't do it immediately. Whether you give somebody 50 bucks or don't give somebody 50 bucks, you do not know if it is helping or enabling. You have to look at the fruit of what happens afterwards. What do I mean? Here you go. If your help allows someone to grow, thrive, and become more of who God made them to be, then it's helping. If your help shrinks their world, their heart shrinks, and they become less of what God designed them to be, it's enabling. There you go. And you're like, well, that's complicated. Yeah, I know, life is complicated. And there's not one fast rule. You giving 50 bucks to one person could change the world. You giving 50 bucks to another person is simply another gaming system. You understand what I'm talking about? It depends on how they're operating with it. All right? Here's the interesting thing. It says that they laid him there at the gate daily. We also find out from Acts multiple times that just like Jesus, the apostles and the early church went to the temple every day. That was their strategy for reaching people. It was a place for public discourse. It was a place to talk about religious things. It was the perfect place for them to be. If he's there daily and they go there daily, how many times did they pass him? Daily. I mean, hundreds of times. So why didn't they heal him last time? Why did Peter and John heal him this day? Like, why Thursday? Why not Tuesday? Right? I mean, I'm sure he would have loved to be healed a couple weeks before, right? Why, why are we delaying it? <clears throat> I think, after analysis, the answer is two words. Divine appointment. That's the answer. <clears throat> you all know what a divine appointment is? It's a God setup. It means you didn't intend it, but it kind of happened. You tend to call it coincidence. Really what it is, it's a God setup. Oh my gosh, I didn't know so-and-so was just going to run in and get a mobile order from Starbucks. And I ran into this friend and all of a sudden I was like, hey, what are you doing? And then they were like, oh, I go to church now. Oh my gosh, you're a Christian? That's so weird. You think that was a coincidence? That's called a divine appointment. Oh my gosh, I ended up getting this, I saw this person on social media, oh, and then I ended up getting this text, and a lot of those are divine appointments. God is doing these accidental collisions because he's trying to do something. 
I believe that's exactly what happened here. I believe that Peter and John probably passed this, time, this guy all the time. And I think at one point, Peter goes, hey, John, hold up. He's like, what? We got to handle this. Okay. What are we doing? I think we need to heal this dude. All right. Let's go. Right? Why? They were tracking on the Holy Spirit. There is no way to be able to take advantage of a divine appointment if you're not listening to the Holy Spirit. Because what you're going to do is you're going to think it's a coincidence and you're going to blow it off and you're going to move right through it. And you just missed an opportunity to be transformed. Right? Got to be sensitive to that. All right? Interesting. What's the name of the gate? I don't, I don't know what you said. <laughs> that was super quiet. Okay. Uh, it was beautiful. Um, and <laughs> they're like, Mark. I'm like, no, that's not the name of the gate. Okay. Beautiful. Isn't it interesting that we have a beautiful gate as the backdrop of an ugly situation? Isn't it interesting that you have a beautiful gate, which they believe is the Nicanor gate, which was one of the gates of the temple. All the gates had gold and silver uh, ornamentation on them, but this one happened to be bigger and more ornate. It was Corinthian craftsmanship, so it was considered more valuable. Isn't it interesting that you have the most expensive gate with a guy begging in front of it at a church? Does that seem odd to anybody? I think that's kind of a God setup, right? So we're going to look into that a little bit. So sure enough, Peter and John go walking by, and he's like, hey, do you guys have cash? Okay, real quick. Let's say Peter and John walk into Bridgeway, which would be super weird. Right? They'd be all in robes, and we're just like, how do you get them so white? You know what I'm saying? Laundry question. Anyway, so as they come in, are you going to ask them for money? Because that seems like a strange thing to ask for, right? Like if Peter and John, the apostles, walked up to me, I would either ask them to pray for me, ask them a question, or just fall over. You know what I'm talking about? But this guy asked them for money. Why? Because it's the only thing he has ever experienced that helped alleviate his pain. Why is that important? Because a bunch of us churchy people were always shocked at what the world turns to. Give me a break. Oh my gosh, why is there a drug problem? Why is there a gang problem? Why is there an alcohol problem? Because it's the only thing that has ever made sense to them. They don't have your Jesus. They don't have another solution. All they have is what they have. So what they're going to long for, what they're going to look for, what they're going to want is stuff that you're going to poo-poo at, but it's all they've got. Praise the Lord, Peter and John representing the church had something more than what they always longed for. You guys, this is our job. The world is craving for something legit, and you're the only one that has it in your pocket. Come on. We cannot allow them to suffer the way that they're suffering. It's not okay. Pick it up in verse 4. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Well, that's intense, yeah? How cool would that be? 
Man, that's awesome. You wanna know the tragedy? Today, the church says, I have no power, here's some cash. Let that soak in for a second. The world needs more than money. And unfortunately, a lot of us are not walking in power. We're walking with a bunch of ideas and we're handing out cash. And that's simply not gonna cut it. How sad it would be is if Peter and John handed them money for today when they had something so powerful in their spirit. I feel like we are not living up to our calling as the church of Jesus Christ. The world needs us to walk in power. They need something more. What I have, I give you. The boldness, the confidence of Peter is so startling, right? This is what I dream about. I want to be that guy, right? And you're like, well, why aren't you your pastor? Because there's times that I went out on a limb for Jesus and he let me drop. And so I'm a little gun shy. You know what I'm talking about? Like I prayed for people with confidence and nothing happened. And it's kind of hard to walk with swagger when your gun only goes off every 13th time. And you can't count, so you don't know when 13 is. You understand what I'm talking about? Like, I mean, have you ever prayed for something and nothing happened? You were like, oh, that was awkward. Imagine Peter's like, in the name of Jesus Christ, right away, and the guy falls over, and you're like, catch you tomorrow, brother. Just keep moving on. How did he have such confidence to know that when he lifts the dude up, he's going to stay up, right? Let me ask you a question. Have you ever thought about this? Are we storehouses or conduits? Because I'll tell you, I don't know the answer to that question. Because here's why. In one sense, we're conduits, right? We don't have any power in and of ourselves. So God's flowing through us. Is that correct? So you would go, well, we're conduits. We're like a pipe. And when the water flows through or the, the energy flows through. The problem with that is if God goes, and shuts it off, right? There's nothing flowing through the pipe. Is that what we are? And there's nothing wrong with that viewpoint. That may be true. Peter's acting like he's a storehouse of God, that God gave him something to steward. Hey, guys, I anointed you. I gave you power and authority. I need you to use it appropriately. Almost like they could dole it out. He didn't say, hey, bro, let me go check with God. He didn't say, I'm going to go pray about it. He didn't say, let's ask and see if this is a good idea. He said, what I have. Man, that guy reached into his back pocket and there was power sitting there. Where the heck did he get that? Right? Are we storehouses or conduits? Here's here's the reality. I don't know, but I think that if we're tracking with the Holy Spirit, it won't matter. Because if you're a conduit, see, if you're a storehouse, you have a little bit more room to learn and grow. If you're a conduit, you got to get it right every time. But if you're tracking with the Holy Spirit and he's releasing on his will, because you're aligned with his will, same result. Currently in my life, I am not yet able to track with the Lord's voice. I think that's the number one important thing we need to do is track with the Lord's voice. Because I'm still praying about stuff that may or may not have been God's will at the time, right? And I'm just wanting to help people. But what if my helping hurts and God's like, oh, I wish you wouldn't have said that. Like, oh, that wasn't a good idea, right? I don't know. Then he says, 
in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. What does it mean in the name of? Right? It actually means under the authority and empowerment of I'm an ambassador for. That's actually what it means. But we've kind of made it a little bit funky, at least I have. So real quick question. When you pray, do you say magic words? Here's what I mean. Did you, do you guys view the word amen as the send button on the computer? <laughs> do you ever do that? Lord, I need a car. Amen. Boo. You send it, right? And if you don't send it, it's just sitting on your computer. And the Lord's like, hey, bro, you never even sent it. I don't know what you're talking about. You might want to look in your drafts folder because I think, I think it's still there. Can't answer what I don't get. <laughs> okay, the other one that we use, because that's actually not what it means. It's not a send button, right? The other thing that we do, and I'm this guy, every prayer, in Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. And, and I've done it since I was a little kid. So real quick question, why are you doing that? Because if you're doing it by saying, I always want to be present and remind that it's power in his name and it's not from me. If you're doing it because you're saying, I always want to remember to give him credit. I always remember, want to remember in humility that it is the Lord that deserves glory, not me. If you're doing it for those reasons, it's awesome. Unfortunately, sometimes I slip into magical thinking, right? Which is what? If I say the right little mantra words, then it works. Be very careful with that. Oh, I didn't say in the name of Jesus, amen. It's not going to work. Hold on. You are not manipulating a force. You're engaging with a person. We don't play those little games, amen? All right. Uh, immediately, his feet and ankles became strong. Those are the healings we love, man. Those are the flashy ones. Those are awesome, right? Because this is really what we want. We want someone to come with like a mangled arm and we're like, in the name of Jesus, like, you know, it comes out. And you're like, whoa, it's like X-Men. That was awesome, right? We, and we, we love those, right? Those are actually pretty rare. I mean, they happen, but they're, they're pretty rare, right? Um, and we have to remember that you go, well, I read in the Bible and Jesus, it always instantly happened. Actually, that's not true. It's the majority of what was recorded, but remember all his miracles were not recorded. But he actually includes a story where Jesus did it in steps. Do you remember this? There's a guy that's blind and he lays his hands on him and he's like, how you doing? And the guy's like, ah, I see like trees walking around. He's like, okay, clearly we're not, good. we're not good yet. Jesus laid his hands on him again, prayed a second time and he was healed. That's weird, right? Do you understand that there are partial healings, there are delayed healings, there are temporary healings, but if you are healed in any way by God, he deserves glory, not complaining. Oh, great, all I got was a temporary, hold up, you got something from God. You need to give him glory for that, right? I mean, isn't that true? So we need to quit putting God in a box about how he's gonna heal. Listen, I have had an awful lot of healings happen through my praying in Jesus' name over the years of my ministry. Almost none of them happened immediately right in front of my face. There's always a delay. There's a delay happened later that day, happened later that night, happened the next day, whatever it is. Now to me, that's a drag because I always leave discouraged. 
right? Because I'm like, pray, 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 nothing, dang it, right? And then later on, I find out, oh my gosh, I was healed like six hours later. And I'm like, well, good for you. (laughs) One last thought on this healing. One last thought on this healing. You know what I think is the more powerful miracle? Because it's super cool that this guy never, you know, he had never walked before. And so, like, his, his muscles were atrophied. They, they don't even work together. And then God's like, boop, 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 you know, puts all the stuff in there. And he's like, oh, I have strong ankle, you know, that kind of thing. That is cool. You know what's even more cool? Balance. How the heck does he know how to walk on sticks? He had never done it before. How long does it take for a baby to become a toddler to become a walker? And this guy didn't just walk, he what? Jumped. That's crazy. How do you know how to explode off your feet you've never used? How do you know equilibrium? How do you know weight transfer? How do you know how to shift? How do you know how to do any of that stuff? God remapped his mind. His brain was recalculated so that not only were his muscles healed, his brain was healed. That's ridiculous, right? What an incredible, incredible miracle. Pick it up in verse 9. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who had sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for money. And they were all filled with wonder and filled with amazement at what had happened to him. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. Pause. That's how you give glory. This guy is out there going, Jesus healed me, Jesus healed me, Jesus healed me. And everybody's going, wow. Y'all, that means two things to me. Number one, we need more awe in Bridgeway. What does that mean? It means we need more experiences with God. We need more experiences with the Holy Spirit. This is where some of you are like, well, pastor, actually, I grew up in a conservative church. And the conservative church taught me that you cannot rely on feelings. You cannot rely on experiences. And if you're just chasing experiences, that's not good. Okay, pause, genius. (laughs) That's true for truth. You don't create doctrine off experience but you do create relational bonding off experience. You're misreading it. It is not to create your doctrine. It is to create attachment relationally. Why? Because human beings bond through shared experiences and communication. And if you are not wanting any of those experiences, you have a dry faith, totally detached from God, but at least you know the black and white truth in the Bible. I just think there's more. I think that you combine those things. You have the truth of the word of God and you lean into the Holy Spirit and have experiences with him. I can tell you Moses would have given up a long time ago if he didn't have a burning bush experience. We need experiences with God. Can they be totally trusted? Of course not. You always have to sift through them, right? Are they always legit? No, but we can figure it out. We just need to relationally bond. That's what we need to do. It's a relational thing. Second thing it makes me think of, and I actually prepared a slide for you on this one. Please tell your testimony. Well, I don't know. Yeah, you did. You're telling me God hasn't done anything in your life. And here's where you're going to do it. Go to bridgeway.church forward slash share. Bridgeway.church forward slash share. Tell us what God did. Well, it's a private matter. No, it's not. God did it. 
He deserves the glory. You don't get to hang on to it. You tell us what God did. If God saved your life, you tell us the story. If God healed your body, you tell us the story. If God rescued your marriage, you tell us the story. Tell us what God's doing because we need to hear what he's doing in your life so our faith is raised up and we can believe he can do it in our lives. We need to tell the story. You guys, getting testimonies around here is like pulling teeth. We've been trying to do it for years. I'm asking you as your pastor, tell the story. Well, mine's not a big deal as the other. I don't care. Well, pastor, didn't really happen at Bridgeway. It happened. I don't care. We're not talking about Bridgeway right now. We're talking about God. Give him the glory. Tell the story. Well, there was one time I was lost and now I'm found. That's your story. There's one time I was hopeless and I'm not. Do you guys realize after 6 o'clock service, I mentioned this at 6 o'clock service, and a lady came up and she said, Pastor, when you had everyone stand and pray, my bursitis pain went away instantly. She told the story. The guy wrote in and he said, you know what, I'm going to tell you, I once was lost, now I'm found. Here's my story of salvation. Another lady said, I have been in a hurtful place for so many years and I was hopeless, but when I stood up, I suddenly had an infusion of hope and I felt strong for the first time. These are stories. I didn't say everything's fixed. I didn't say everything's done. I didn't say everything's easy. Just tell the story. Amen? Verse 12, when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Why are you staring at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? You guys, this is the philosophy of healing at Bridgeway. We don't have any innate power. It's all God or nothing, right? And this whole business about, well, only the super holy people get to do that is garbage. There's no one holy enough for God to use. It's grace or nothing. So if we're trying to play this elitism, oh, so-and-so can do that, and they're better than me, and that, stop. The Bible teaches the priesthood of all believers. You have the same Holy Spirit any pastor does. You don't need a title on your door. You don't need a label. You remember, you're the church. You're the one God has called to be his body. You're the one that goes out. You have power and authority. You're on. It is not a It is not haves and have-nots. Yes, some people are more gifted. Yes, some people are more anointed. That doesn't mean they're more loved. Just means they have a different job, okay? All right, we're gonna blow through the rest because Peter takes advantage of this opportunity to say something about Jesus. And when I read this, I want you to be thinking in your mind when God opens an opportunity for you with people in your life, do you say anything about Jesus? The God of Abraham, verse 13, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you you delivered over and denied in the presence of the Roman governor Pilate when he had decided to even release Jesus. You denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer named Barabbas to be granted to you. You killed the author of life, whom God has raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and you know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect help in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance as did your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Messiah would suffer, Christ 
fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be forgiven and blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said in Deuteronomy 18, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. It shall be that every soul that does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaim these last days. You are the sons of the prophets, the sons of the covenant that God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham in Genesis 12, 3, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servants, sent him to you first, Jews, to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. Here's how we're gonna close. We're gonna pray for healing the year of power. Let's see what God does. It's his business. Here's what we're gonna do. Let's go ahead and pray. If you are currently in need of healing, if you have something in your body, in your mind, relationally, that you have a request right now before the Lord, I want you to stand. I want you to stand and remain standing. I'll tell you when you can sit down, unless you need to. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we are standing as a testament to say, Lord, would you heal me? God, if we could do it our own, we would have done it by now. Lord, right now, there are some that can hear my voice. There are some that are watching through a computer screen. There are some that are right here in the room. You love them all. Right now, would you just begin to release your love upon each and every one of us? So, Lord, no matter what, we all walk out of here with a deeper relationship with you. That is the number one thing that matters. And so, God, we are going to glory that you rescue us, that you save us. But, Lord, we have stood up because there's something going on in our world, and we can't make sense of it, and we can't fix it. So, Lord, we are going to ask for healing right now. And so, God, I want to lift these things up to you. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would touch each and every one of us and come upon our church in your power. We know it is you. We're going to tell your story. We're going to make you famous, God. This is not through people. This is all you. If you don't touch us, we're not going to be healed. So right now, God, I begin to lift up some very specific things. I pray right now, Lord, for broken hearts. I pray, Lord, not just, not just emotionally, though, Lord, I pray for that as well, that you would begin to bless our marriages, that you would begin to knit back together. I know that's a complicated request because, Lord, there's so many moving parts, and how do we know when it's really fixed? All I know, Lord, is that you can do it. All I know is you know how to do mess. I know you know how to do complicated. So, Lord, we are asking that for the Bridgeway relationships that are here, that need to be made right, God, we are asking for their healing right here, right now. Lord, we are also talking about broken hearts physically. Lord, there are some of us with pacemaker issues. There's some of us with AFib. There's some of us that have all kinds of issues going on with blockage. I just pray right now, Lord, would you purify our hearts in the name of Jesus? Would you begin to course through and clean out? that which is gummed up. I pray, Lord, that you would begin to restore that which is breaking down 
in the name of Jesus. I pray, God, that you would begin to move on our minds, Lord, just like this, this man that, that you taught how to walk instantaneously and remapped his mind. God, I pray right now for eating disorders in Jesus' name. That, God, it is not a physical issue. It's a chemical issue. It's a thought issue. And, Lord, we need our brains remapped. We don't know how to see it another way. God, we can't overcome this on our own. So we are asking for a radical, supernatural miracle over our brains that you might set us free. We would not be held in bondage anymore. God, I pray right now for those that are struggling within their mouth. Lord, whether or not that is ulcers in their mouth, whether or not that is gum disease, whether or not that is something that is tearing our mouths apart, our jaw or our teeth, God, I just pray that you would heal it. God, I pray that you would heal all the way down in our esophagus, whether or not that has been burned by acid from the stomach, whether or not that is something that the valve does not fully close and it keeps coming back up. I pray, Lord, that you would heal our throats right here, right now. God, even those that have problems with their vocal cords, that there's an inability to project, God, I pray that you would tighten or that you would lubricate or you would do whatever is necessary on those cords that they might be restored. Lord Jesus, we come against cancer in the name of Christ. And we just say, Lord, under your authority, we come against cancer and we say no more. No more renegade cells. No more advancement. May it be retreated, be eliminated, be destroyed. That all cancer would be removed from our bodies in the name of Jesus. God, I just pray across our skin that some of us have issues going on in our skin. It might be dietary. Reveal it to us, Lord. We want to make those changes. It might be just something from genetics. God, I ask that you'd fix our genes. Nothing is too difficult for you. So, Lord, last thing I want to lift up, God, is that some of us, we worry about our little babies, that there's some little babies that are struggling, and God, that's the one place my heart is softest. So I just pray for the babies right now. God, I don't know if it was a birth defect of the heart. I don't know if it was in the brain. I don't know if it's in development. I don't know if it's in neurology. I don't know what the problem is, but right now, God, I just ask that you would sweep across this place, go into our little rooms back there, and wherever the little babies are hurting, would you touch them and heal them in the name of Jesus. You may be seated. Heavenly Father, as we walk out of here, we want to walk out in the confidence and power Lord, would you give us a first fruits of that which you want to do this year. That, Lord God, in this year of power, we might be able to be in tune with you. We have no power of our own. So, God, would you light us up, ignite us, that we might be able to go out in your name and bring breakthrough to your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.